himself for example the month of Ramadan would still be two months away the month of Rajab would just start the moon of Rajab would be sighted and Nabi Sallallahu would start already expressing the enthusiasm for Ramadan Allahumma barik lana fi Rajab wa Sha'ban wa ballighna Ramadan there is a lesson in this that a mu'min is heart such a great occasion is coming long in advance, his heart is already attached to it. So likewise, in day-to-day life, a mu'min now, the day of Jumu'ah has come. So his heart will already be attached to the day of Jumu'ah before time. The day of Jumu'ah is on the doorstep and the a'mal of Jumu'ah, what am I going to do, when am I going to fulfill it? Surah Al-Kahf to be recited on the day of Jumu'ah. The reward of this is, and the benefit of it is, that a nur is granted to the person from this Jummah to the next Jummah. And a protection from the fitna of the Jal, etc. So now a mu'min, such a great day of the week is coming. So beforehand his heart is already attached. That when am I going to start doing all these amal, reciting Surah Al-Dukhan on a night of Friday, the Bishlaasim says that by the, before the morning his sins are forgiven. Person decides Surah Al-Dukhan, whether in the night or the day of Jumu'ah, Allah Ta'ala will grant him a palace in Jannah. The day of Jumu'ah, Nabi Islam says, increase your salawat and your Duru Sharif, the citation of Duru Sharif upon me. So Mu'min, his heart would be attached to it beforehand. And in advance, he is now mentally already preparing himself for the day of Jumu'ah. Then when the day of Jumu'ah comes, he's obviously in a different mode. That this is a, such a great day, such an auspicious day. So likewise, this Mubarak occasion of Hajj, though a person may not physically be there, his heart and mind will be there. Once Hazrat Mawla Hussain Ahmad Mandani Rahimahullah, it was the day when the Hujjajah in Mina, the first day, the 8th of Zulhijjah, or perhaps it was the day of Arafat itself, so obviously all the hujjaj are now involved in the rites of hajj and all on that day in ihram. He was sitting in India and somebody offered him some itar. So he accepted to apply the itar because that's mentioned in the hadith sharif that if somebody offers you itar, they don't refuse. It's very light on the person giving also, light on the person accepting to. You apply some itar, it doesn't take anything away from you, doesn't cause any kind of difficulty to anybody. So accept it. So in the light of the Hadith Sharif, he accepted to apply that itar. But something was in his heart, which then got expressed. He sighed deeply. He sighed and said, Aad ushaq to iste mahroom hai. That the two lovers of Allah Ta'ala who are now in hajj at the moment, who are in ihram. Obviously in the ihram, they can't apply itar. So while accepting that itar, because it's sunnah now to accept that 
somebody has offered it her. So he didn't refuse and decline that. But his heart was attached to this momentous occasion. That he was sitting in India, but his heart was in Mina or Arafat, wherever the Hujjaj were. So likewise, we too should be having our heart and mind in these Mubarak times and places. But it's not just a matter of just imagining something. No, there's to take that spirit from it. So the days of Hajj when it comes, among the things that it reminds a person very, very strongly about, is about Sayyidina Ibrahim ala Nabiina because the Hajj and all the rites of Hajj are filled with the reminders of the sacrifices of Ibrahim his son Ismail and his wife Hazrat Hajar radiallahu ta'ala anha. So to this comes strongly to mind so now to take that lesson that what, what legacy they left behind. They left some lessons for us, what was it? That Allah Ta'ala kept those lessons alive in Hajj also. Many of those lessons. So there are many, many lessons in the life of Ibrahim Salaam. And one of those lessons that we learn is from the ayat of the Quran Sharif where Allah Ta'ala mentions about how Ibrahim Salaam and his son Ismail Salaam how they responded to the call of Allah Ta'ala to build the Kaaba Sharif and after having fulfilled such a great task, what was the du'a they made thereafter, how they submitted themselves to Allah Ta'ala. So you just take some lessons from these du'as that Ibrahim made on this occasion. Person goes for Hajj, the first attraction is the Kaaba Sharif. Person goes for Umrah, the first attraction is the Kaaba Sharif. Baytullah, every day, every Salah person is performing. His direction is the Kaaba Sharif. Ibrahim Salaam built this Kaaba Sharif. The order of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala made it miraculously easy for him. In the sense that now the Kaaba Sharif had to be built to that height. The Maqam Ibrahim, Allah Ta'ala made it like a lift. Because those stones had to be placed on those high walls. So it would rise, like a lift would rise. And then when he had to fetch another stone which Ismail would come give him, it would lower itself down to the ground. So this technology that came very long afterwards now, in recent years, Allah created this, this ability in that stone to rise and to come back like a lift and provide this assistance to Ibrahim in fulfilling this task. And this task of building the Kaaba Sharif was also after so many other tests and trials that came his way. Which Allah Ta'ala mentions in the Quran Sharif. Allah Ta'ala tested him with so many tests. And he passed all those tests with flying colors. Whether it was the test of to go and slaughter his own son. Whether it was that to be thrown into the fire of Namrud. Whether it was any other test to leave his family, wife and child in a barren place. All these tests, whatever it was, he was ready for it. And then on top of that, then to make hijrat. Hijrat from Sham and come to settle in Makkah, Mukarrama, Bring his family and leave them here in this place. Sham was a place which was very lush. Everything was in abundance. And here in Makkah, Mukarrama, at that time, there was nothing. It was barren. There wasn't even any water. And he undertook all this. And now after all these sacrifices, now comes the time to, so to say, really bask in the glory of this great momentous occasion of having completed the building of the Kaaba Sharif. Let's see what we did. And after all these mujahadas, we now came to this point. But how does he respond? Nothing like that. Allah Ta'ala says, what did they say? Rabbana taqabbal minna. That, oh Rabb, this is not worthy of acceptance. Will you accept it? Whatever we have done thus far, nothing is worthy of presenting to you. Allah, out of your grace, accept it. Taqabbal. It's not worthy of acceptance. But out of your grace, accept it. No indication of any sort that, well, we did this or we did that. 
Oh, we have made so much of sacrifice in all this process. And what mujahadas were behind this whole effort? Nothing. Rabbana taqabbal minna. Innaka anta sami'ul alim. Ya Allah, you are all hearing and all knowing. Innaka anta sami' bida'watina. Ya Allah, what we are saying, you are hearing it. But at the same time, alimun biniyatina. Ya Allah, you know what's in our heart as well. Sometimes you could be saying something. We could be saying something very humbly. But in our heart there's a different agenda. We could be saying something that's sounding very, very sincere. But in the heart there's something else. Ya Allah, you are aware of what we are saying. You are aware of what is our niyat and what is inside our hearts. Alimun biniyatina. So this was that humility, complete submission to Allah ta'ala and that utmost humility. We are nothing, we are nobody. And if there was apparently something that happened at our hands, that too was Allah Ta'ala's grace. And we in reality did nothing, it's not worthy of acceptance at our hands. But Allah Ta'ala is most kareem, Allah Ta'ala is most gracious. Allah Ta'ala will, out of His grace, accept. Nevertheless, thereafter He continues with the dua. Rabbana waj'alna muslimaini lak. Ya Allah, make myself and my son, we've now jointly done this work. Ya Allah, we are begging you, waj'alna muslimaini lak. Ya Allah, make us Muslim. In other words, completely submissive to you, subservient to you. If we submit ourselves entirely to you. I mean, zurriyatina ummatam muslimatan lak. Ya Allah, not only myself and my son, Ya Allah, our progeny also make an entire nation that is completely sub- is in complete submission to you. What we learn from here is that this dua on the one hand was for himself, but together with that dua for his children, for his progeny to come. And this is the heart of the Anbiya that the extent of shafaqa and compassion and kindness and love and muhabba they have for their own offspring and for others. Nobody can come close to it. It's just that we think we have greater affection and love because we express it in worldly ways. Whereas that's a very, very limited love and sometimes that's expressed very wrongly. That's actually misplaced love in the manner of how we go about expressing it. That in order to express that love to the child, the destruction of the child is given to him in his hands. What will cause the destruction of the child that is given with utmost love? Here you may go and destroy yourself. Though that's not the words anybody will use. But that is how it will then turn out. Because what is clearly destructive that is given in the name of love. Ibrahim they, the love they had for their own children, for their own offspring, for their own progeny, and over and above that for everybody else. Nobody can come anywhere one fraction close to it. But how did they express this love sometimes? Rasulullah who could have loved his children like how Nabi Sallallahu loved his own children. But what is the dua of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? Allahumma al make the risk and the sustenance of the family of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam just that much that barely suffices for them. Nothing extra. They just continue well, fine. Nothing extra. Now, somebody might, Na'uzubillah, in this time and age, somebody makes such a dua, he says, give me a bad dua. But Rasulullah is making this dua for his family. Not that we are anywhere close to that caliber, that level that we should start trying to aspire to get onto that note. One, Our level for now, we must aspire to just stay out of every haram. And whatever ni'mat Allah Ta'ala has blessed us with, we use it correctly. And make shukr. If we've achieved that much too, we've achieved a great deal. We can't imagine coming anywhere close to that. But we have to keep that in front of us. We can't close our eyes to it. That is our inspiration to keep ourselves within check. Otherwise, if we don't keep that as our inspiration, then there's no limits, there's no boundaries, and everything will just continue endlessly, and obviously that's going to become a major problem.
But in any case, the point here is that this is that love that the Ambiya had for their children, for their progeny, the du'as they made for them. And the greatest thing was, وَجْعَلْنَا مُسْلِمَيْنِ لَكَ وَمِن ذُرِّيَّتِنَا أُمَّةً مُسْلِمَةً لَكَ The greatest affection that can be shown to the child is to bring him on deen. And the dua for him to become sub- in complete submission to Allah Ta'ala. That is the greatest favor on the child. Then, together with that, whatever can be done for the child, for the family, in order for the within the limits of deen, obviously, the comforts that can be provided, very good, in a halal manner, without putting yourself, oneself into any difficulty, and without making that the object of life, no problem. Allah Ta'ala hasn't forbidden that. وَمَنْ حَرَّمَ زِينَةَ اللَّهِ الَّتِي أَخْرَجَ لِعِبَادِهِ وَالطَّيِّبَاتِ مِنَ الرِّزْقِ Allah Ta'ala says, who made this haram? What Allah Ta'ala has made halal, who is making it haram? What Allah has made halal, alhamdulillah. In our time and age, if we keep within the limits, well within the boundaries of halal, we don't come close to the borders also of haram. And we use the ni'mas of Allah Ta'ala correctly, according to His commands. And we make true sugar upon it. That too is a very great achievement. So, Brahim now expresses this, وَجْعَلْنَا مُسْلِمَيْنِ لَكْ وَمِن ذُرِّيَّتِنَا أُمَّةً مُسْلِمَةً لَكْ وَأَرِنَا مَنَاسِكَنَا وَتُبْ عَلَيْنَا إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ التَّوَّابُ الرَّحِيمُ Thereafter he makes dua and says, وَقَبَّرَا وَبْعَثْ فِيهِمْ رَسُولًا مِنْ أَنْفُسِهِمْ يَتْلُوْ عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتِكَ Ibrahim is making dua, Ya Allah, you send such a Nabi to them, such a Rasul to them. What will be the function of this Rasul? What will be his maqasid and nubuwat? Those aspects that will be part of his mission. So now he's making dua for that. At that occasion, such a great occasion, at the time the Kaaba Sharif has been just built. And on that occasion, this dua is being made, Ya Allah, you send such a Rasul to them, Yatlu alayhim ayatik. Allah, He will recite your ayat to them. And He will teach the kitab to them. And He will teach the hikmah to them. And when you zakki him, and He will purify them. Innaka antal azizul hakim. Now this is what we just need to briefly understand, that what is this dua that Ibrahim Salaam made, where after centuries, when the Sutlah finally came as the Nabi of Allah Taala, and Allah Taala revealed the Quran Sharif to him, Allah Taala then enumerates this favor to the believers. Laqad Allahu ala mu'minin. Allah Taala has blessed and favored the believers so greatly. How is Baasafihim Rasulam bin Anfusihim? The same same qualities that Ibrahim Salaam made dua for. Allah Ta'ala is enumerating this as a favor. Allah Ta'ala favored the Ummad. Now this dua that Ibrahim Salaam made, in that are these four things mentioned, and Allah Ta'ala enumerates the same thing in the other ayat of the Quran Sharif. What are these four things? One was, Yatlu alayhim ayatik. He will recite your ayat. This recitation is separate from ta'aleem. Because thereafter, when you alim, so this tilawat, of the ayat is a separate aspect and the ta'aleem of the meaning of the Quran Sharif is separate. Tilawat of the ayat is itself a matloob. It is something that's a requirement. So this is a whole topic in itself, the details of which we would have heard many times, but the issue and the question for us to ask ourselves is that how much of tilawat do we make daily? As this is the dua of Ibrahim and Allah Ta'ala enumerates this as a favor to the Ummah. The Nabi Sallallahu recited the ayat, taught the ayat. One explanation of this is that this was the da'wah. By the recitation of the ayat of the Quran Sharif, Rasulullah invited the people to Allah Ta'ala. And thereafter taught them the ma'ani and taught them the meanings of the Quran Sharif. But included in this meaning also is the very recitation of the ayat. The tilawat. So this is something that must never be missed. No day should go past without tilawat of the Quran Sharif. Thereafter, a separate aspect is mentioned is, وَيُعَلِّمُهُمُ الْكِتَابَ 
that he teaches them the kitab, meaning the ahkam of the Qur'an Sharif. Whatever is contained in the Qur'an Sharif, Rasulullah taught it to the ummah. Whereas the ummah, the first recipients of the Qur'an Sharif, that part of the ummah, they knew the, Quran, the Arabic language very well. But Rasulullah taught them the Qur'an Sharif. He taught them what it meant. At this time and age, somebody decides for himself, I know enough Arabic, I'll decipher for myself what it means. Nabi taught the Sahaba. The Hikmah refers to the Sunnah of Rasulullah. And thereafter, when you him, this is the aspect that we need to now just pay a little bit of attention to. The, what is when you him? It's already tilawat of the Quran Sharif has already been discussed. The ta'aleem of the kitab and sunnah has already been mentioned. So the Quran Sharif has been recited. The Quran Sharif has been taught. The ta'aleem of the sunnah has already been imparted. But apart from all this, and over and above this, Allah Ta'ala also mentions when you him. And he purifies, he will purify them. The tazkiyah. So now, the talim has already taken place. What is the tazkiyah? This ayat itself makes it very clear that these are two separate aspects. The talim is essential. And apart from the talim, there is a separate aspect, which is called tazkiyah. Which is also essential. And if only one of the two exists, there will be a problem. If there is some kind of well, in any case, tazkiyah is not possible without the talim, because a person would be ignorant what tazkiyah is going to make. And a person can have everything else in place, he can have the tilawat of the Qur'an Sharif in place, he can have the talim of the Qur'an, he can have the talim of the sunnah, he can be very well versed in everything. But if the tazkiyah is missing, which is a function of Rasulullah part of his maqasid and nubuwas, the aspect that Allah Ta'ala had made as part of his mission, where he will impart the knowledge of the Qur'an and Sunnah, he will make the tazkiyah of the Sahaba. The Sahaba were who? And what was their level? Their level was this, that in one moment of time, one single moment, with the barakat of the sahabat of Rasulullah merely being in his company, somebody became a mu'min, he accepted Iman, he recited the Shahadat, and in that one moment he reached that point of Tazkiyah already, that point of Islah, and that point of Wilayat, and whatever other maqamat that we can think about, in that one moment, one fraction of a second, with the barakat of the Sahabat and being in the company and being in the presence of Rasulullah that where all the awliya of the Ummah till Qiyamah get together, they can't get close to it. In that one fraction of a second. And yet Allah Ta'ala says, And He will purify them also. If this was for the Sahaba as well, where do we feature in the whole thing? That if in this time and age, somebody feels, I don't think I really require this, this is something, well, I'm done. I'm fine, I'm okay. This doesn't really apply to me. He applies somebody else. Whereas this was for the, every person of the Ummah. Allah Ta'ala is saying, well, him applies to the person till before Qiyamah. It applies to the first recipients of the Quran Sharif as well. And despite the fact that in that one fraction of a second, they had already reached that level and that status and position which all the awliya of the Ummah till the day of Qiyamah together can't reach. So this tazkiyah is something apart from the talim of the Qur'an Sharif, apart from the talim of the Sunnah. And this is what brings the reality forth. If a person has the ilm, the knowledge, he has some enthusiasm also. But if the tazkiyah hasn't happened, or that effort for the tazkiyah is not there, then he will keep sometimes doing things also and destroying it. In the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Islam says, Man salla yura'i faqad ashraka billah. The person who has performed salah, but he's performing the salah merely to show to somebody, he's trying to impress somebody else. 
He's committed shirk. Faqad ashraka billah. Now, this is a different level of shirk, but this is the severity with which this is expressed. Now, what is the problem? The amal is there, the person knows all the virtues of salah, he knows whatever the postures of salah are, he, everything is there. But something was problem in the heart. Inside that ikhlas there was an issue. The tazkiyah of that dirt of the heart hadn't happened. Tazkiyah to purify. Purify the person externally, purify him internally. To cure us. This is tazkiyah all about. Like the physical self. The physical self of an insan that gets ill. There are various illnesses. person sometimes ends up with something minor, maybe like a flu. Sometimes it might be something major like cancer. Sometimes it might be a brain tumor. Sometimes it might be some heart problem. And what else and what else happens? And sometimes this can become fatal. So just as the body gets sick, the roof also gets ill. The roof gets ill with what? The soul and roof get ill with sometimes the kabbur, with pride. The person is, mashallah, doing many things, good things, in various ways. But the pride overtakes the person. That pride which caused shaitan to become accursed forever, till eternity. Sometimes it's riya. Sometimes it's hasad. Sometimes it's malice. And sometimes it's hubbeja, the love for the fame and recognition and this ego. And then sometimes it's love of dunya, that love of dunya which now makes a person cut corners in deen and sacrifice deen for the sake of dunya. And all these various illnesses of the heart, of the soul. So just as the body gets sick, the soul gets sick. Just as the body when it gets sick, it requires treatment. Now this is a standard principle that even a person in the medical field also, he doesn't self-medicate. He also requires some other, he'll consult some other person, some other doctor or whoever it is. Maybe run of the mill thing, something small, something small, every person at home self-medicates also. He knows what to take off the shelf. But anything beyond a certain point, then the person at home, not even him, not even a medical person will self-medicate. He'll refer to somebody else. Because say, person who is ill, his diagnosis will be ill about himself. So now he submits himself to somebody else's diagnosis and somebody else's treatment. And when he submits himself to somebody else's diagnosis and treatment, and then he accepts that treatment and undertakes it, then in time he starts recovering. But unfortunately, the kind of concern that is shown when the body gets sick, even a fraction of that amount of concern is not shown when the soul gets sick. Whereas, to treat the physical ailments, which is sunnah, and to treat the spiritual ailments is farz. Because if a person's got takabur in his heart, way he'll finish off. A person's got hasad in his heart, way he'll finish off. He'll end up destroying all his deeds. Al-hasadu ya'kulul hasanat kama ta'kulul narul hatab. Hasad, it destroys a person's good deeds like fire eats up wood, burns up dry wood. The person has got riya. What will be the end result of his amal? Faqad ashraka billah. He'll end up committing shirk. So just as the physical self, we need to treat it, but that treatment is sunnah. So a person undertakes the treatment with the niyat of sunnah, but this is farz. The physical ailments, if a person makes sabr while he's ill, he's making sabr, that sabr will actually be bringing him closer to Allah. That physical ailment, he's making sabr on it, it becomes the means of the sins getting wiped out. And he thinks he's making sabr on his spiritual ailments, he'll get more deeper into sin. He'll get even deeper. There's no sabr on that. That's supposed to be something that he doesn't make any sabr on. He cannot afford to make any so-called sabr. The word sabr is misplaced there. And then these physical ailments, if a person didn't get cured, what is the end point? Eventually one day life is going to go. And the day that life goes, that finishes off. Then that physical ailment is over. 
and the spiritual diseases that spiritual disease if it wasn't treated, wasn't rectified then let alone in dunya it will cause difficulty for him but it will become a bigger calamity in the cover and it will become a disaster on the day of Qiyamah so this is not confined to dunya, it goes beyond dunya the harm of it and the damage that it will do will take a, will cause a person that difficulty in cover and akhirat so what, where the priority should be of what's to be given greater attention, greater effort to be put towards cheating oneself the physical self also is amanat that too has to be looked after that too has to be cared for and if a person is ill to undertake whatever is within capacity to treat oneself but this is the far greater priority now the issue is that this is unfortunately sometimes not even understood as a need that there is something that it affects the heart that there are illnesses that attack the spiritual self and just as the physical self requires treatment this also requires treatment so that becomes a greater calamity that if a person is sick and he doesn't even realize he's sick then where is going to be even the, con- the concern of treatment because that realization is not there that a person is ill he doesn't treat himself as a result that illness gets deeper and deeper then it takes him in one go because he never even knew that it is what, what problem is causing so this is what is referred to in this ayat where you zakki him and throughout the ages from the time of the sahaba this taskiyah actively took place this taskiyah continued to take place Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab on one occasion he comes out into the public and he is giving people water to drink like a person who does some menial task he is giving water which was people used to be sometimes paid to do that job a very menial task because water was scarce so now this was a task people would take so somebody asked him Amirul Mukminin, you doing this? So he says yes there were a lot of delegations came along and something came inside that you are somebody so I was treating my nafs he felt the need of treating that nafs that there's something happened inside and I have to make tazkiyah now he felt the need for the tazkiyah so this is just one example among many many examples in the lives of the sahaba already how they were concerned that what happened inside is this affecting something has any pride come in by any chance has any ujb come in, vanity come in is there any dirt in the heart of any sort and they immediately made efforts to clean any small speck of dust that seems to have come on the heart and this is this, the manner in which things continued just to understand it in the, life, in the light of some one two examples that how people obviously the barakat of the sahabat of Rasulullah that was in his Mubarak time Thereafter, the barakat of the Sahabat of the Sahaba that provided that great benefit to those who were present in that era. But then, as time passed, that is obviously something that's not possible to have it at that level anymore. That way, a person in that one fraction of a second can suddenly move in that direction, in that speed. Now, it's going to require a lot of effort. And people then made the effort that was necessary. There was one very great personality. In India, Sheikh Abdul Quddus Gangohi Rahmatullahi, very great saint and guru. In any case, many, many people had come and they had benefited tremendously from him. And then time went on, eventually he passed away. When he passed away, so now his son suddenly thought about it and said that, Inna Lillah, so many people came and they benefited so much from far and wide, and I was right here and I didn't take the benefit that should have been taken. So now it, that concern came to him at this stage in his time in life that I should do something now. I'm also needing this Islam, this Taskiyah. So he thought about it that who was the person that came and took a very great amount of benefit among those who took the best benefit. So after inquiring somebody told him this certain person who is living in Balkh. Where is Gango and where is Balkh? In that zamana and time he journeys all the way to Balkh. Now when he is nearing Balkh, 
So the message gets there that the son of the sheikh is coming. So it's like the royal treatment suddenly got all, all laid out. And the sheikh himself from Balkhanao, he came with the, all his people out on the outskirts to welcome him and received him with a lot of respect and honor and brought him in and now is giving him this seven-star treatment. After three days of having hosted him and served him, and he asked him that, what brings you all the way? You've come for anything in particular? So he says to him that, I have come to take from you the wealth that you took from my father. In other words, that which you acquired, that islah, that tazkiyah, that rectification of the heart, that nisbat with Allah Ta'ala and that connection with Allah Ta'ala that developed after that mujahada, that chatra that we made through the guidance of your sheikh at that time, I've come to take that from you. They say, if that is what you've come to take, then that has a different procedure. Now what the point here is, that those who were truly serious about rectifying themselves, then they didn't cut corners. And they totally submitted themselves. So he said, well, if that's what you come for, then there's a different procedure for that. What's the procedure for it? He says, well, now, all this very smart clothing we gave you, like royal garments, that you're going to have to change. And you'll be given this very, very, very cheap kind of cloth, coarse cloth kind of clothing, that's what you're going to wear. And what else? What else is now, you must just keep cleaning all these gutters open drains and open sewers. That's your job. No wazifa, nothing. This is your job. In any case, he was sincere. He's coming from a kind of royal household. And he was sincere. He accepted it. He started. Now he's doing this job. And after some time, the chef says to the person who used to clean the toilets, that today when you're going past, after you take that bucket and you're going, you just walk close past him. So he does as he's told. As he walks close past, this person becomes very annoyed. Because this was like an insult to him. That you're walking close by past me with this filth with you? This is an insult. So he looked at him with a lot of anger. And this is what was being treated. This anger is what was being treated. Now, many a times, this is not even given a second thought that this is a very severe ailment. This uncontrolled anger. In that anger, a person just blurts out anything, just says anything, and sometimes what he says causes so much of havoc in dunya, and sometimes it causes havoc in his being also. Many a person blurts things out in that anger, he ruins his iman also. But... How often this doesn't even, if a person is even advised that this is a major issue, you need to treat it. You say, treat what? Probably you might get angry over that too. So here there was an understanding that this has to be treated. And this anger stems from pride. Actually the root was being treated. Now with this pride, then that anger will come forth. So in any case, he got very upset and he said, Naraha Gango. He said, well, you're lucky it's not Gango. I'm sitting here. I got no choice here. And I just got to follow what I'm being told. If you did this back home in Gango, I would have showed you. I would have put you in your place. So in any case, this person said nothing. He came and reported to the chef. This is what was the reaction. He said, no, no, still far from. The treatment is still not yet. Hasn't had the effect it's supposed to have yet. Let him carry on cleaning those gutters. After some time, he says, today you go, not just walk past him, you brush past him. And just let a little bit spill on him. This time when he did it, he turns and looks at him with a lot of anger, but doesn't say one word. When the report is given to the sheriff, he says, there's some progress. We're still not yet done. That look of anger that shows we're still not yet done. Let him carry on. After some time, he says, today you go and pretend to just trip and fall, let everything fall on him. Now when he did that, and he pretended to fall, this person wakes up and he's coming to help him. Did you get hurt? Anything happened to you? He's not concerned about his own condition. Now what brought this whole revolution? That walking past the person was such an insult on him, was such an insult to him, and sometime later, 
This whole filth is all over him, but he's more concerned about the next person. Now, this is a tazkiyah. Something was done because of the way in which the person submitted himself. Now it's not that nothing else was happening in that time, but this was the difficult part for him. Now people coming, going, etc. He is busy cleaning drains the whole time. And not just the drains and gutters of today, the open sewers of that time. Something happened inside. That first he couldn't even bear the fact that somebody walks close by him with the dirt. And sometime later he is more worried about the next person. That's the Tazkiyah. This Tazkiyah transforms a person from selfishness to selflessness. It transforms a person from being a hasid and being a person jealous over others to becoming a well-wisher of others. This Tazkiyah makes a person from being a just a pretender and an imposter from being a person that just after some kind of worldly recognition and fame it changes that riyah to ikhlas it is a tazkiyah that changes the love of dunya and transforms that heart towards the love of akhirat and focus towards jannat is a tazkiyah that breaks that connection from dunya and connects the heart to Allah Dala. this is a tazkiyah this is not just something that happens, it's apart from ta'aleem. It's apart from that. That is something that will happen and that's something necessary. Over and above that is taskiyah. Together with that is taskiyah. So this taskiyah is something that happened in every, in every era. And those who went through this taskiyah, this is how then they ta'aleem and their ibadat and their efforts of deen and whatever else they were doing. That then went to another level. They were forever concerned. What is the position of my heart? Where am I heading? What is going on? And all the time concerned that this heart is not getting soiled with anything. No illnesses are affecting the heart. And this made them very conscious about everything. One person came, it was a Mashawari Thanvi Rahmatullah And who was he? He was in that time on the position in the English government the position of what we might call today a premier. It's not that, at least the level of a mayor, but well above that. Khaja Aziz Hassan Majjub he comes for Sami that I've come for my Islam, for this Tazkiyah. Now a person from that walk of life, from that background, and now he comes. So now if you come for this, then this is how you're going to have to undergo the treatment. In any case, as time goes, he is given certain things to do and certain things, how he must conduct himself. And one day Hazrat got annoyed with something, meaning that he broke the rules. So this annoyance wasn't anything personal. It was that now you want to achieve something, then now you're going to have to be then rectifying it. So he told him, well you see, you take your bedding and you move out now. Because now you've been told about something once, twice, thrice, that look, this is the procedure here. You didn't abide by that, so now you go out. In other words, you're being expelled. So he took, now he can't oppose that, because that's an instruction, and now this is another place. So he takes his bedding, takes whatever his possessions are. Now, what background he's coming from? He's not one small uh, person of just somebody, small position, some small post or something. He was a person of that post. Now he came for this purpose, but he understood something. He understood what? When he came in the company of the Thani Rahmatullah he presented his request in one couplet. And this first couplet of his which he presented as his request, and expressing the purpose for which he came, this shows that how deep his insight was, that he went to the main issue, right to the depth of it already. That where I need to reach. And in this couplet he presented his request, Mita Dije, Mita Dije, Nahi Koi Or Gharse Me Tere Dar Par Aya Ho, Mita Dije, Mita Dije, Me Mitne Hi Ko Aya Ho. I haven't come for any other purpose to your place, to your door. I have come to annihilate myself. So therefore annihilate me, completely annihilate me. This is the end point that a person has to achieve, the total annihilation. I am nobody, I am nothing. And when he becomes nobody and nothing within himself, he becomes something in the court of Allah. 
And as long as he's something in his own eyes, then he's a nobody in the court of Allah. Now this is the point he started off with. Others say to him, you get out. Takes his bedding, etc. But how far he goes? He just goes outside the khanka and he puts his bedding out there and he says, well, I've been expelled from the khanka, but this is public property. So now this is, I have the right to be here. I don't have any right to be inside because now that's not public property. But I can be here. And he remained there. For whatever time it was, a day or two days. And in that time he carried on sending some little requests to be accepted again. And in a little bit of a jovial manner, in a way to try and just open the door again. In one couplet, he even stated the wording of the couplet is not in the mind right now. That well, every person has his own kingdom. The kingdom is inside, his, that's his place. My kingdom is here now, so I'm here in my kingdom. So I can't be expelled from my kingdom. But in any case, after a day or two, he was told, okay, fine, come back. This was just the treatment. But the lesson for us is, a person who has this background, he understood also this treatment is necessary. And when he underwent that treatment, he was not a formal alim. Very learned, but he hasn't, he was not a formal alim. After the Sami Rahmatullah passed away, the giants of the time, the Grand Mufti of Pakistan, Mufti Muhammad Shafi Sahib Rahmatullah and Sayyid Suleiman Nadwi Rahmatullah who was an alim of a very high caliber, who the Indian continent and the Arab lands all recognized his position. And others of this caliber, they turned to Khaja Aziz Hassan Sahib to doubt, make the Islam by him. Whereas they were ulama of a very high caliber. What was this? This was an annihilation. Annihilation, why? Because this tazkiyah was necessary. And this tazkiyah required this annihilation of that nafs. They understood this and they submitted themselves to it. And then that brought about this kind of end result. So this tazkiyah is not a by the way thing. When the tazkiyah is acquired without the tazkiyah, then a person, even the fundamentals of deen sometimes will become very difficult for him. That fajr salah will become difficult. Other aspects of deen will become difficult. To stay away from haram will become difficult. He'll know full well, he'll be able to give all the harms of that sin. He'll be able to explain it very well. But to refrain from it will be a different matter. When the tazkiyah is missing, that will be very difficult. The tazkiyah is what makes that fulfillment of the commands of Allah Ta'ala easy. And the tazkiyah is what makes that refraining from the things Allah Ta'ala has made haram possible. So that tazkiyah requires that a person be in the environments of deen, he be in the gatherings of pious people, he be in the in good company, in pious company, and he submits himself to somebody for that treatment. Because often a person would not be able to distinguish, okay, what is the line? Something he will regard it in one way, whereas it's in reality something else. Something he will think it is tawazu, it is humility. Whereas it might actually be zillat nafs, it might be humiliation, self-humiliation, which is wrong. Humility is necessary. But to deliberately put, bring disgrace upon oneself, that is not correct, that is wrong. He won't know where the line. Sometimes it might be that he'll think now, I need to be very generous. So now he's being generous. But whereas he's now got obligations, he hasn't fulfilled his debts and he's being generous. I don't know where the line. So this tazkiyah is what brings that line, it makes that line very clear, where I need to, how I need to conduct myself. And all, it starts bringing the focus on the heart. Now he starts seeing all those very, very dangerous things in his heart that starts getting that uh, glimpse of what pride is there, what riya is there, what kind of malice is there, and all the other dangerous cancers that are there in the heart. He starts now seeing something. Because now the Tazkiyah has put the spotlight on the heart. So now he starts detecting something. And because he's detecting it now, he becomes concerned about correcting it. And rectifying it, treating it. So this is the Dua of Ibrahim which highlights this very, very important aspect. This is a fundamental part of Deen, this Tazkiyah. That together with all the other things that we have to be doing, we have to be learning the Qur'an Sharif, and propagating the Qur'an Sharif, 
learning the meaning of the Quran Sharif, teaching the Quran Sharif, the Sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu sallam, and making this effort for ourselves, making this effort for others, and together with all this, this taskiyah is extremely important that we keep correcting and rectifying ourselves. This then makes a person extremely conscious, extremely concerned. Just to finish off on this incident, that this is how the taskiyah makes a person think. Among the many, many, many examples, just to finish off on this one example, Prophet Mawla Ilyas the revival of the work of Dawat and Tabliz, he is now on his deathbed. And now on his deathbed, he was so ill that the doctors had forbidden visitors, no visitors allowed. Mufti Shafi'i whose name we just mentioned just now, was a very great personality. He came to visit him, he wasn't aware that this was the restriction. When he came there, he was informed that look, visitors are not allowed, this is by the doctor's instruction, and this is something to, to accept and adhere to it. This is for the welfare of the patient. So if that is what has been advised, then we must respect that. And we go out for him. Not to try and force ourselves into the situation. That's not right. So in any case, when he was told that no visitors are allowed, he says, very well, give my salam if there is a chance to do that, and I will make dua, and he turned to leave. So somebody who was familiar with the caliber of the person that has just come, so he went inside and he informed al that Mufti Shafi Sahib had come, but he was informed that visitors are not allowed, he's leaving. So he said, no, bring him, call him quickly. So he was called in. So when he came in, whatever might have been spoken a little, which was a very difficult time for the Mawla to be speaking at that time also. And then now he's on his deathbed. And on his deathbed, he's saying, I have a very, very great concern. What is his great concern? He says, MashaAllah, this work has spread so far and wide, and so many people have now become conscious of Allah Ta'ala through this, and so many things have happened. But I'm afraid, I'm very afraid. I'm afraid is this perhaps not istidraj on me. Now istidraj, this is a technical term. When a person is sometimes given rope, which seems to be now something very good coming to him. But he's actually somebody who is giving rope to hang himself, so to say. Like in the Quran Sharif Allah Ta'ala says, فَلَمَّا نَسُوا مَا ذُكِّرُوا بِهِ فَتَحْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ أَبْوَابَ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ that when these people forgot what Allah Ta'ala commanded them with, they totally just turned a blind eye to it, cast it behind their backs. What happened? Allah Ta'ala says, we just opened out the bounties to them. We started showering it down upon them. So now when they saw all these bounties, so who can be doing something better than us? Whereas that was istidraj. In simple terms of our understanding, that was the respite, but the rope, sometimes the person gets so much rope, he ends up hanging himself in the rope. He's saying, I'm worried, is this perhaps not istidraj? How do I know it is genuinely divine help? It's not that I am just being led down a path because of my sin, something wrong I've done, and suddenly I'm going to be taken to task down the road. Mufti Shafisa Rahmatullah consoled him and said to him, nothing to worry about, this is not istidraj. So how can you say this? From where are you going to know this? This is something Allah Ta'ala knows. How are you going to be able to make this conclusion? He says, if it was istidraj, then this thought wouldn't even have crossed your mind. Because Allah Ta'ala says in the Quran, Sharif, min That if istidraj, then they won't even have any thought about it also. They'll be very happy about it. They'll think, ah, subhanAllah, everything is so great for me. The fact that you are concerned, the fact that you are afraid about this, this is itself testimony that this is not Yisidraj. This is the divine help Allah Ta'ala has given you. But the lesson, this was the heart. After whatever was done, and after seeing so much of the results, but the heart is still in fear. The heart is still trembling. And which heart will tremble like that? That heart which is Muzakka. That heart which has been purified. That heart which is connected with Allah Ta'ala. This is a tazkiyah that we have to make an effort for. We are all in need of it, I am most in need of it. But this is something to understand that this is an important part of deen. It is a necessary part of deen. It is essential for us that we have to be making an effort to get our Islam and tazkiyah. And together with whatever else 
has to be done, this too has to be added to our whole efforts and our purpose in life, so that tomorrow when we are laid down in the Qabr, we are laid down inshallah with a clean heart. يَوْمَ لَا يَنْفَعُ مَالُوا وَلَا بَنُونَ إِلَّا مَنْ أَتَى اللَّهَ بِقَلْبٍ سَلِيمٍ On the day of Qiyamah when we get there, we get there with this qalb salim, this pure heart, that is the only heart that Allah Ta'ala says, that person who comes with such a heart, he will benefit on that day. Allah Ta'ala give us all the tawfiq. وَآخِرُ دَعْوَانَا عَنِ it's important in the Hadith Sharif that a person who recites La ilaha illallah hundred times daily, Allah Ta'ala will cause his face to shine like the 14th moon on the day of Qiyamah. What this means is that inshallah with the barakat of this daily recitation, inshallah Allah Ta'ala will give him the tawfiq of righteous actions and save him from sin, which will become the means of this great honor. Therefore we should try and make this a part of our daily tartib and part of our daily ma'mul practice that we recite La ilaha illallah hundred times daily in our own homes, our own places and time. But we should make this a part of our daily routine. Allah Ta'ala give us a tawfiq. La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah Sallallahu tabaraka wa ta'ala Alayhi wa ala alihi wa ashabihi Wa ashabihi wa baraka wa sallama Tasliman kathiran kathira Ya Rabbi salli wa sallim daiman abada على حبيبك خير الخلق كلهم جزا الله عنا نبينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله لا إله إلا الله 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 La ilaha illallah 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 لا إله إلا الله 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 لا إله
is nothing we can hide from you, Ya Allah. You are the all-knowing, Ya Allah. You are the all-seeing, Ya Allah. You are that being, Ya'lamu khainat al-a'yunu ma tukhfi sudur Ya Allah, you know the deception of the eyes and what the hearts conceal. Ilahu al-alameen, Ya Allah. We acknowledge all the wrongs we have done, Ya Allah. It is the effect of our sins what is going on, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, forgive us and forgive the entire ummah, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, give us and the entire ummah the tawfiq of those amal that bring down your rahmat, Ya Allah. Save us and the entire ummah from such amal that bring down azab, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, remove the pain and suffering, Ya Allah. Remove the hardships and calamities, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, save us from trials and tribulations, Ya Allah. Allah, don't put us to test, Ya Allah. Allah, we are too weak, Ya Allah. Allah, we are not capable of being tested, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, make us your true and obedient servants, Ya Allah. Enable us to perform our five times salah with jama'ah, Ya Allah. Grant us khushu and khudu in our salah, Ya Allah. Allah, enable us to fulfill all the a'mal of deen, Ya Allah. Enable us to stay away from all the haram, Ya Allah. Save us from all the sins and vices, Ya Allah. Purify our hearts, Ya Allah. Purify our hearts, Ya Allah. Purify our hearts from all the evils, Ya Allah. Allah, remove the pride, the arrogance, the malice, the jealousy, Ya Allah. The love of the ego, the love of dunya, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with your muhammad, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with your muhammad, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with the love of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Fill our hearts with the love of his Mubarak Sunnah, Ya Allah. Enable us to live his Mubarak Sunnah, Ya Allah. Allah, save us from the ways of the Yahud and Nasara, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Allah, give us istiqamat on deen, Ya Allah. Allah, keep us on iman, Ya Allah. Take us on iman, Ya Allah. Raise us on the day of qiyamah to iman, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. All those who are sick, give them shifai kamila, ajila, mustamirra, daima. Allah, remove every trace of their ailments, Ya Allah. Allah, those with any kind of difficulties and hardships, remove it with afiyat, Ya Allah. Those are in financial problems, remove it with afiyat, Ya Allah. Those who are in debts, Ya Allah, make the debts, payments of their debts with afiyat, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Allah, all those who have passed away, make that complete maghfirat, Ya Allah. Give them the high stages in the akhirat, Ya Allah. Allah, the time of our death, take us with La ilaha illallah. Muhammadur Rasulullah. Allah, take us on iman kamil, Ya Allah. Take us on tawbat and nasuh, Ya Allah. Allah, take us at a time you are pleased with us and we are pleased with you, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, make our qabr's gardens of jannah for us, Ya Allah. Grant us the shafaat of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allah, give us jannatul firdaus without any reckoning, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Allah, all the work of deen taking place, accept it, Ya Allah. Make it a means of hidayat, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Use us in our progeny to qiyamah, Ya Allah, for the work of hidayat, Ya Allah. With ikhlas and afiyat, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, you protect us and safeguard us, Ya Allah. Protect our families, Ya Allah. Protect us from all the fitna and fasad, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Keep us with afiyat in deen, Ya Allah. Keep us with afiyat in dunya, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Allah, all those who ask us to make dua for them, all those who have raised their hands to this dua, Ilahul Alameen, fulfill each one's needs from the grave, Ya Allah. Fulfill each one's pious aspirations, Ya Allah. Remove each one's difficulties and hardships, Ya Allah. Remove each one's illnesses and ailments, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Cure some all our spiritual ailments, Ya Allah. Cure some of our physical ailments, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Grant afiyat to one and all, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, grant us afiyat in our deen, Ya Allah. Grant us afiyat in our dunya, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Allah, whatever we should have asked for, Ya Allah. Allah, on this Mubarak night of Jummah, Ya Allah. Without asking, grant it to us, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. All the good that Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, begged for. Allah, we also begging for all the good, Ya Allah. You bless us with it, Ya Allah. Whatever Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, sought refuge from, Allah, protect us as well, Ya Allah. Allahumma inna nas'aluka min khayri ma sa'alaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa na'udhu bika min sharri musta'adaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam anta al-musta'an wa alayka al-balaag wa la hawla wa la quwata illa billahi al-aliyya al-azim wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khayri khalqihi sayyidina Muhammad wa alihi wa sahabihi al-ma'in walhamdulillah